Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to God is Gray, the podcast. Although I, as a Christian, believe that God resides in absolute truth, in black and white, we as people are stuck here on planet Earth contending with the gray. In church, gray areas often cause dissension, anger, and even hate. But on this platform, I welcome open dialogue, variety of opinion, and differing belief systems. God is Gray is meant to teach, inform, and simply trade stories with kindness, love, and mutual respect. If you have a story or perspective to share, please reach me, Brenda Marie Davies, at GodIsGrayXO at gmail.com. To support the cause and be a part of our community, donate to patreon.com slash gray. Now, on to the episode. A part of me was like, is she going to judge me? Like, is she going to like think? No. I don't know. And so I think, I think this is why this is so important that we have conversations like this. Hi, beautiful people. Today we have the wonderful, powerful, amazing at the refined woman, Kat Harris. I'm so excited you all are joining us in this conversation because Kat and I are coming from completely different points of view, seemingly, but in reality, we are so aligned about sexual integrity, about having grace with other people. Sometimes I get comments from people that say, I don't feel comfortable in progressive Christianity or even on this channel, God is gray, because I feel like pressured to have sex or I feel like my decision to abstain isn't honored in this community or isn't honored by progressive Christianity as a whole. And I just wanted to bring the beautiful, wonderful Kat Harris to you to speak to this because she is someone that's making the choice of abstinence. And I wanted to make sure that you all know that I honor that choice as long as it's coming from a place of autonomy, as long as it's coming from a place of joy versus fear and shame, then I completely accept and and believe that is an absolutely valid choice for you. So Kat's going to get into what is sex? What are the rules and boundaries and relationships? How do you actually walk this out? Also, how you maintain an openness to other people and give grace to other people's choices. I really believe this will be an empowering conversation for a lot of you because I've been a bit heartbroken getting some feedback from people that do want to and intend to wait to have sex until they're married. I don't like calling it losing their virginity. I like calling it your sexual debut. Ooh, I love that. Ooh, so yeah. Great. I didn't coin that. I, I don't actually know who coined that, but I, I love that. I prefer it because it's not a loss of any kind. It's your yeah. sexual debut. <laughs> Does that, okay, I'm going to a little push back from the beginning is sexual debut, like still puts so much pressure on this thing. And it also says that like my sexuality is a culmination of sex and um, our sexuality is so much more than experiencing intercourse look Kat and I are already arguing (laughs) (laughs) well yeah I just think man like so at first I'm like oh I love sexual debut but then I'm like wait is this part of the problem is like we put this like like sex sexuality or being connected to our sexual desire is like having sex so then we can only have that debut post wedding ring which I don't agree with (laughs) <laughs> okay well that's perfectly fine I think it's like a good a good point to bring up that everyone is allowed to permitted to find language that resonates with them in all areas of life when it comes to your spirituality your sexuality 
whatever terms you feel comfortable with. For me, it resonates because it doesn't feel like pressure. It feels like joy. Either way, could we both agree that losing your virginity isn't an ideal phrase? Yes, yes, because (laughs) 100%. And I'm just, my personality is always like the poke, poke, like why, why, why? Well, I'm excited about this conversation. I'm, ex- I'm glad we are agreeing to talk to you because I reach out to so many people that I don't fully align with in my principles or the way that I interpret the Bible or my spirituality. And usually when someone disagrees on a major point like this one of whether or not we need to wait to have our sexual experiences just within the confines of marriage, um, and even the word confines is probably not a good word. That sounds like, you know, like all the <laughs> language that we just like can't get away of. Get away. Like, let's just stop this podcast. It's a disaster. We'll just speak in like signs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I'm just so honored by this because um, there should be no fear or any any you know grievances with talking with someone that doesn't necessarily share your point of view and really this conversation to me isn't important as far as trying to make me and Kat come to some agreement on this subject it's really about presenting someone to the God is great community that advocates for something that a lot of you might actually be more aligned with that you know any of you out there that do want to wait Mm -hmm. I want to say that I honor that decision for me any sexual decision decision you make with your sexuality as long as it's coming from a place of your personal autonomy Mm -hmm. it's coming from a place of joy and peace versus fear condemnation shame I honor that and I believe that you are making the right choice for yourself if that's where it's coming from. But Kat is, I just want to give her the floor for a lot of this conversation, not push back on her ideals, but actually just allow her to express how she's living this out. Why and how she came to this conclusion, what it looks like for her life and how she is living this out without shame. Yeah. Because that is really crucially important to me and to Kat, I believe. Yes. Absolutely. And I just agree 100% with um, just what you said about making an autonomous decision. And so much of how I got to where I am at um, in my relationship with God and with myself and with others was pausing and realizing, oh, wait, I have not made this decision to abstain from sex on my own. I... Mm -hmm. I took that on as like um, a Christian culture or this is what it means to be a good Christian girl. And um, what I know from scripture is that like God's heart for us is to not make decisions out of fear. Like first Timothy one seven says, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love and a sound mind. So I 100% agree that like, if I am making a decision First of all, if I'm making a decision to have sex out of fear, like I don't think, I think that's out of alignment. And I think if I'm abstaining from sex out of fear, that's out of alignment as well. And the journey I went on was a journey of coming to a place where I felt free, whole, grounded, connected to myself, connected to my body, connected to my sexuality and desire in an awakened, beautiful way, and also connected to God and my faith. So like it, I, I kind of always say when I share my story, like the joke was on me. Cause I was like, I 
basically got to a point in my faith where I was ready to throw in the towel, like on my virginity, I was like living in New York and going on these amazing dates and falling in love and getting heartbroken. And my whole life as a Christian, I had abstained from sex, but it was never hard because like I wasn't really dating and (laughs) shut down to my desire that I didn't realize I was also pushing men away because I was so scared of my sexuality and Mm. and we can't accept our own sexuality and desire. Like we can't accept another person's as well. Um, And so I went through this journey in New York of kind of getting to this place where I was like, okay, a lot of the Christian people I know in my life are sleeping around, living with their significant others. And it's like, we're out of Southern culture. We're like Southern culture. It's like, everyone knows how to behave, you know, (laughs) even I didn't grow up in the church, but it was like, I knew the rules still, you know, like Mm -hmm. Christians don't have sex. Well, New York is not like that. I think it's like less than 5% of people in New York would consider themselves a Christian. And so they're, yeah, so it's, it's definitely not the, it's not the norm by any means. And then you have people who are Christians that didn't grow up in Christian culture. So it's like, it's, it's a very different conversation here. So I was like, what the hell is going on? (laughs) Why am I not having sex? Because I, I also was in relationships where I was doing things that, before I I had thought were sinful or like, oh, I won't have sleepovers with guys until I'm married or like oral sex is bad or a guy can't touch my boobs. Like we're just saving everything for marriage. And then I found myself in these situations where I was going past a lot of those boundaries and I didn't feel any guilt about it. And so I was like, what does this mean? And it was really my best friend who is not a Christian or person of faith who challenged me to really do a lot of like hard personal self work. Cause I was like, if there's anyone who's going to agree with my new decision to have sex, it's my friend who has lots of sex. (laughs) (laughs) And so I went to her and was like, this is my plan. This is what I'm going to do. And she looked me in the eye and was like, no, I'm, I'm not going to support you doing that. And she said, you know, I kind of want you to have sex just to get it off your back but it really matters to you. And it has mattered to you for a really long time. And just because it's hard right now, doesn't mean it's something that you should necessarily throw the towel in, but you get to do the work to figure out what you believe and why. So you read your Bible and seek Jesus. (laughs) And she's like, and make up your mind and figure out what you believe. So I honestly thought I would like go on this little journey and it would last maybe a couple months. And I would leave that having like all this ammunition to support this new lifestyle that I was walking towards. And yeah, so the joke was on me because I ended it more conservative than when I started. <laughs> Wait a second, this isn't fair. Um, but actually, it's, that isn't how I felt because I felt really empowered. So what I started doing was I started first with reading and researching every single verse in the Bible that talked about sex and sexuality, because I was not convinced that scripturally the Bible said to not have sex before marriage. And I was a Bible major in college. Like, oh, wow. I still was like, I really don't know if it says that. So let's start there. Um, and I, I knew the arguments for like the principles of, you know, throughout scripture, we see um, 
um, God honoring, like uh, one being a one woman kind of guy um, <clears throat> and not liking divorce and stuff like that. But I just was like, where does it say not to have sex? And I couldn't find it. And then I, I kept seeing this phrase in the New Testament flee from sexual immorality, flee from sexual immorality, run away from sexual immorality. <laughs> it's sexual immorality. Or it was like, you know, flee from fornication. And I'm like, who uses that word? Like, what does that even mean? And so I like, you know, pulled out like, what does fornication mean in the Greek and the New Testament? What is sexual immorality? And what it actually is, is the phrase porneia in Greek. And porneia is obviously where we get words like pornography from. And what the, the <clears throat> intention of that word is to like, porneia is sexual activity with anyone that's not your spouse. So it's extramarital and premarital sexual activity. So we could go on like a whole other conversation about like, okay, so it's mo actually more than just like, penetrative sex um, is, is like, I think that's like another interesting part of that conversation. But at the very least, we know that at least 25 times in the New Testament, that scripture is saying to flee from having sex, to not have sex outside of marriage. This is interesting because you went on this whole journey to make your decision something that was completely your own, which makes me want to first ask you, how it looked to abstain before you went on this journey. Because yeah. I know for a fact that a lot of people that are hoping to wait are asking about boundaries. There's a lot of YouTube videos that are like, here's the boundaries. And it's couples sitting down being like, so you don't spend time alone. So it's like waist up. So it's like no neck kissing because it turns him on to <laughs> And it's just like, all like a list of rules you guys are like bullet pointing on, you yeah. know, a refrigerator somewhere. Totally. And <clears throat> you and I, in a pre-interview, were talking about how when something is not in your heart, it's not a part of your own true conviction and you're doing it on behalf of someone else or because someone told you it and it's not really resonating, you know, what does that look like before you went on this journey? Yeah. So before I went on this journey, I would say that I was, buying into like a very like fragmented compartmentalized version of sexuality, even like in the beginning where I'm like, you know, like when we say <clears throat> losing our virginity or sexual debut, um, something that I feel so passionate about now is that like our sexuality is so much more than sex. But when we like make the main thing sex or like the only way to express my desire is through intercourse, then it's like that becomes the main goal. So yeah. we like worship sex in the church. Like we become hypersexualized in the church because it's like, don't think about it. Don't talk about it. Stuff it down. And it's like, well, what happens when you say, don't think about elephant? You're going <laughs> to yeah. so, an effort to like, not make it a thing. The church like made it the thing. Um, yeah. And so for me, what that looked like pre this journey was very much. So I don't think I had the language for it at the time, but I felt like a victim to Christianity. I felt like, ugh, like there's this thing that Christians do and I have to do it. And again, it wasn't a problem for most of my experience as a Christian because I wasn't dating a lot. It was only when I started dating that I was like, oh, it's freaking hard to like not have sex with someone that you're attracted to. And that was kind of the first time I started realizing, oh, this is like normal. Like, of course 
if I'm attracted to the person I'm kissing, I'm going to want it to go further. Um, so for me, it was more like everything, but okay, you're saying I can't have sex. So then no penis and vagina for me, but (laughs) everything else is kind of on the table. And it even took me a while to get there, um, to like start walking that way. I mean, I remember, I would like never have sleepovers for a long time because I was like, oh my gosh, if I have a sleepover, like I'm gonna like that's so wrong and bad. So I would like have a sleepover, but I would literally not let myself fall asleep. (laughs) I was like, well, if I don't fall asleep, (laughs) then I'm not breaking my own rule. And I would like be messing around with a guy that I would be dating, and I'd be like, well, my panties are still around my ankle, so I'm not totally naked <laughs> so I found myself doing these negotiations all the time yeah. and like then, God's like a referee he's like okay yeah. good panties are technically still on yeah so it's like and I think that's what really happens in the women that I mentor and coach all over the world are asking me that well, how far is too far how far can I go and I'm just like we're asking the wrong question here like because God is not concerned about our behavior modification he's concerned about our heart Mm-hmm. And so the difference between, you know, me discovering, oh, that this is what the Bible says was one facet of a very nuanced and layered journey for me. Like, and I actually, once I decided to abstain from marriage from like a whole place, it was so many of these other reasons that I had discovered outside of the Bible. I was like, oh, when I'm really physically intimate with a guy that I'm dating, it can really blur um, me deciding if we're a good fit. I've mm-hmm. always seen that. And I mean, I dated a guy off and on for four years that I'm like, if, if we wouldn't have gotten physical, we probably would have gotten on two dates. And I would have been like, oh, you're a dick. Like, <laughs> right. yeah, nothing in common. But we led with the physical. Yeah, we weren't having sex, but we had this, you know, that chemistry And so I was like, wow, okay. And then I've seen myself like create a lot of drama in my life when I've um, gone further physically than I wanted to, not out of shame, but just like, oh, like this guy and I could have totally been friends, but something happens when you see someone naked, it kind of changes things. Um, So I was, and then I was researching like um, Helen Fisher is this anthropologist and not a person of faith. And she had all these like Ted talks and video series about how there's no such thing as casual sex because of the dopamine and oxytocin that's released in our bodies, even outside of sex, like when we orgasm or when we're a part of, when we're just like touching each other and that feels good, the dopamine and oxytocin that is released in our bodies and neurologically creates neuropathways that Um, attached to this person. So in like religious circles, we call that soul ties. But I just felt like everywhere I researched, like in the quote unquote secular world was also this like narrative that like leading with sex is like not a win for us as humans. And, and I also looked at my own life and was like, oh man, like I actually also have a really hard time casually dating. Like, I'd be like, oh, I can totally casually date and just make out with all these different guys. And I realized, actually, I am not like that. Like, the physical really impacts my heart. And yeah. um, and, be, and I would say, like, what I was really looking for and what I am looking for is a long-term monogamous relationship. Like, I'm 
looking for a partner. I want to be married. And I noticed that the decisions I was making weren't yielding the results that I wanted. You know, we can say like, oh, like, I want to run a marathon, but if you don't run for four months, then it's like, well, based off results, I don't really want to run it. <laughs> totally. So I was saying, oh, I really want to have this like meaningful relationship with a godly man. But actually based off the, my own results, like I was saying, actually, all I really want is casual. I really like, like the main thing I care about is the physical. So I was just realizing all these own inconsistencies in my own heart and life and realizing, oh, like that's actually not what I want. And like, I want, uh, I want to like, what, and, and then I was asking myself, what am I looking for in sex? What am I looking for in physical intimacy? Well, I think underneath it, well, do I want to feel good? Yeah. Like orgasms are freaking awesome. Um, but I want, I wanted to experience intimacy. I wanted to experience acceptance. I wanted to be seen fully for mm -hmm. who I am. Like, the good, the the potential that I have, but also my pain and wounds and, and my baggage. And so I just like, wow, actually what I'm looking under for underneath that is so much more than a physical act. Do I want the physical act? Yes. And I am so excited to have that, but I want this like whole thing. One of the things that really changed me was I was rereading Genesis 1 and 2, like the creation account. And then it gets to God created, creating Adam and Eve and God puts Adam to sleep. And then he like takes rib out of him and like fashions and forms the woman and then like brings woman to Adam and Adam like awakens to see her and is so taken with her that like his first response is to sing and burst into like a love poem of like, oh my gosh, at last, like bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And he's so taken with her. And then like the husband and wife, like leave their home, like leave and cleave and the two will become one. Um, and I was like, so what does that mean? Like he leaves. And so I researched Hebrew, Hebrew culture and in Hebrew culture, when um, man, like you leave home once, like you leave home once and that's to get married. And so what happens is a Hebrew guy will go to a Hebrew girl's house and he'll propose to her. And then they're like, okay, uh, I say yes, or I want to. Whatever. <laughs> and then he goes back home and they can't get married until he builds a house for her. And that, uh, typically he was building a house onto his family's property. Um, so like every day he's like building this house. So he's, sacrificing his time he's sacrificing his finances and everyone in town knows what he's doing so mm -hmm. it's like you know he's he's going to bat for this person he's fighting for her he's kind of putting his money where his mouth is and then after all of that then they get married and then um they have sex and it was like one, I, I, the only thing I can describe is it just must've been a God moment. Cause I was like, I've read this stuff a thousand times, but I just felt like that's what I want. Mm. Like, and I felt like I had settled for scraps from men and even from good men. But I realized, man, I want a guy who is willing to go to bat for me, who's willing to fight for me and even willing to say no to something like really, really good and beautiful sex um, because he wants to build a trust with me and an intimacy with me 
to let me know that like he's not going anywhere. And that for me was like, I'm willing to wait for that. Like that- I think that's like so beautiful. And I would piggyback on everything you said in that, first of all, I do completely validate science. <laughs> not that science needs my validation, but um, you know, that there are chemical reactions that we have that genuinely put us together, form us together when we interact with someone sexually. And for me, my journey was the same in that I realized even up until recently in the last like five years or so that my actions were not at all reflective of inviting in what I actually wanted in my life. I wanted a beautiful relationship. I wanted to have a family, but acting casually and even pretending you're okay with things that you aren't okay with is not at all going to invite in what you actually want. It's like making terrible financial decisions and investments and expecting a return. It's like, it's not going to happen. So even though I didn't have the same path as you, I completely agree that every action you take, every like prayer that comes to you and desire of your heart that you know is set in there, you have to actually walk out in faith and walk out in a way that is going to invite those things into your life. It's not just going to miraculously come to you because you say you want it. Like I said, I felt like a victim to Christianity. And when we allow ourselves to be a victim to something else, um, it, it often removes my own personal responsibility for how I'm showing up. And mm-hmm. so like when, as long as it's someone else's fault, then like I have no stake in the game, right? But when I pause and say, okay, well, wait a second. What is it that I want? What is it that I believe? What do I believe about God? What do I believe the scriptures to say? Do I care what it says? Like, what, like, and just- Those are courageous questions to ask. And I always want to encourage everyone to have the bravery to ask the deep questions that you might be afraid to figure out the answer to. Because the answer might be that you don't care or that- You know, the scripture is saying something different than you were taught. And I do agree, of course, with personal responsibility, but that is also maybe a good segue into the things that, you know, we did have to take on, the things that did hurt us, that we were genuine victims of in the narrative that the church gave us. And that is something that I love that you're doing, which is talking to people about pleasure and about um, like, what is sex exactly? How to own your sexuality, even as a single person or as a person in a relationship and yeah, just owning it, making your own and also honoring your desires, realizing that you're not a disgusting flesh machine for just desiring penetrative sex like that's not that doesn't make you a disgusting person just because you're not married so let's take it one step at a time let's just go with first of all what are some of the damaging things you saw in your own self when it came to looking at your desire looking at your you know horniness (laughs) like how did you just get to address that that is a normal part of the human experience and that doesn't make you less holy? Totally. Well, I think I just started getting really curious. Um, as I think like one phrase that I've been taught is 
to just notice and not be like, not be judgmental, but just notice and be curious. So I started mm-hmm. getting really curious. Like, like I said, I'm the question asker. Why? Like, cause then I, I'm like reading all through scripture and I'm like, okay, Jesus doesn't seem to avoid talking about sex. And then I would, I read something like song of songs and I was like, Whoo, holy crap. <laughs> like this man is over here and he's like panting after this woman. And like, I want to be drunk off your body all night long. And like, I mean, the sexual innuendos in that book alone, I'm like, holy cow, like, whoa, like this erotic <laughs> language. And mm-hmm. so to me, I just always went back to scripture and I was like, well, I'm confused here. Cause like, God doesn't seem to be embarrassed about sex. Like he leads with this very erotic language. And we even see that like back, that's one thing I noticed when I took that next look at Genesis one and two, it was like, I saw this like very, um, rhythmic account in the creation of God, um, speaking something into existence and saying it was good and it was good and then doing it again. So it was like mm-hmm. and then one day builds upon the next day and the next and the next. And it's like, I'm like, Ooh, there's like, what's the crescendo? Where are we leading to? And then the climax of creation is the, the creation of humanity. When God breathes the breath of life into man and woman and calls it, calls us very good. So everything else is good. But when he gets to humanity, it's very good. And so I was like, you know, this feels like, like poetic and it feels, it almost feels sexual, like the building and the reaching and then the, like the pinnacle moment. And so I just started realizing like, it doesn't seem like God is afraid of these conversations. So Mm -hmm. why am I? And like, why do, like, why do I feel like the messages that I received from church culture said, like your sexuality it belongs only within the confines of marriage. And so it's like, okay, so basically then we've fragmented what it is to be human and said, okay, so we have like our church life over here, our work life over here, our sexuality in a box that only gets opened one day when you may or may not get married. And then you press the button and you're turned on all of a sudden. And you're supposed to go from like asexual, like robotic to like this sex kitten overnight. And I think I just started seeing so many of my friends who are married become really honest about how painful and um, unfulfilling their sex lives were because they were like, I have so much shame over wanting sex Mm. because for so long it was wrong and now it's supposed to be right. So I saw this disconnection. And so what when I like was rereading that Genesis account, I was like, well, wait a second. Like God's not making caveats here. God's not like, Oh, well, your mind is good. Your knees are good. Your desire for God is good, but your but sexual desire is only good. Like on when you're hopping on one, <laughs> and your head and patting your belly. Like it was just like, God said the whole thing was good. And what I also see throughout the God narrative is this holistic vision. So like mm. one thing builds upon the other and, and God's not like, oh shit, like she's getting turned on. Like that's, I didn't know that was going to happen. <laughs> God created it and, and, and God doesn't make mistakes and God yeah. is powerful. And so what that showed me was that, okay, my sexual desire is not who I am. 
but it's a part of who I am. And I think the narrative we get from a lot of culture is that I am my desire to lead by desire. And then the culture or the narrative from the church is to like shut down the desire, pretend it's not there, like save it for here. So it's like actually like both are kind of like two sides of the same coin. It's just like mm. one is like, yeah, you're your desire. And the other is pretending it's not there. And yeah. so when I look at the ways of Jesus, I feel like Jesus was always like the third way. Like Jesus is like, oh, well, here's what culture says. And here's what, how the church has always done it. But I say to you this, like he's constantly mm. saying like, you've heard it said this, but I say to you this. And so what that led me to believe is that, okay, so if we're holistic beings and God created us as very good. Um, that means like who I am as a child of God. So that's the starting point in all of humanity is that all humans are made in the image of God with inherent worth, value, and dignity. Like just because I exist means I have value. Like I, I don't do anything to add or take away from that. And then my sexuality is an an integral part of that. So that then means that there has to be a way, regardless of relationship status, to be a fully integrated human being and to embrace my sexual desire and sexuality in a way that is good and beautiful and honoring to myself and to my values and to Jesus and to the person I'm dating. Um, so once I kind of like had that aha moment, I was like, so what the heck does that mean then? Like, how do I walk this out? And yeah. Um, I think the thing kind of back to like what the physical boundaries question, I think what a lot of people come to me for are still like, so what can I do and what can't I do? Mm -hmm. And like, I'm like, you have to ask yourself that question. Like that's going to be different for different people. And I mean, I have a friend that is waiting until her wedding day to have her first kiss. And I'm like, bless your ministry. That is <laughs> like, I've walked with this person for years and she's connected to her desire. She feels freedom and she feels wow. excited about that. She doesn't have shame over it. And I'm like, that's your story. And I want to judge that. But if that's what your decision is from a place of wholeness, like, how can I say that that's not God speaking to you? Mm -hmm. Whereas I have other friends that are more on that, like progressive side and like, I, I'm not making those decisions because that's not going to be a win for me. Um, and so I think for me, I just had to get to a point of like, okay, if this is a value for me, if I'm, if I am choosing from a place of wholeness to abstain, um, then how do I actually do that? Because the whole like, oh, I'm just going to like go on a date with a guy and like be naked with him on the first night and in, in one of our beds, like, that's really not setting me up for success. <laughs> so it was less like, I can't do this. And more like, I really value this thing. And so how can I um, create like a sustainable plan for myself that is going to like honor my desire and not shame it, but also uphold this value that I have. Um, so that was when I started like trying to figure out like, so how do I embrace my sexuality? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I love all that. I love the honor and respect that you give to everyone's unique personal journey because also, you know, the church has neglected this huge group of people that were sexually violated at a different point in their lives and that were told that they had no value anymore because of it. Of course, that wasn't directly said to anyone, but it was implied all, you know, again and again. So 
that person's journey might be different. One other person that I talked to that I completely honored, I mean, I honor and respect everyone's sexual choices, but I wrapped my head around it very easily was my friend Harmony Dust. Mm. She used to be a stripper and then she started this beautiful ministry to help women that want to get out of the sex industry get out. And um, she ended up waiting to have sex with her fiance because she'd come from the sex industry. She needed to know that a man was going to honor her and be with her and cultivate a relationship without having that be an outright component. Yeah. off the bat. Yeah. So all of that said, you know, everyone comes to these conclusions from different points of view. Like I've come to my conclusion because I'm also a divorcee and I'm in love with someone, but I just don't want to run to a courthouse and I kind of want to spend my money elsewhere at the time. Like I have a baby, etc. Um, but I think it's just beautiful to acknowledge that everyone has the space and the freedom to figure that out. Yeah fearlessly and just like aligned with God and figure out that like alignment of your desires with your actions that you are taking. And um, I'm curious though, just from your own point of view for anyone that's like salivating to be like, okay, but how is she doing this? How does it actually look? You know, even though you're not imposing your exact values or your exact um, lifestyle as the prescription for everyone. Mm-hmm. Just how is it for you as an individual? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I want to say one thing before I say that, just in light of what you just shared, I think something that's so important to acknowledge is one of the, I think one of the most damaging messages we received implicitly either from the church purity culture. I don't know who it was, but at that, it was like virginity is linked to salvation. Yeah. And that's not true. Mm-hmm. Like it's Amen. A, it's a lie. Like the, the thief on the cross next to Jesus on the day Jesus was dying, it was like, you know, Jesus, like, I believe in you. Like, can I be with you today in paradise? And Jesus is like, yes, like today you'll be with me in paradise. And I think out of fear of wanting to control people or fear of getting it wrong. I don't know what we've made Christianity about virginity and about like, well, do you drink alcohol or not? We've like, we've said like gospel plus virginity plus all these other things. And like, that's not the invitation of Jesus. And so thank you. thank you for saying that it really everything like the through line of all of those things that we equate with salvation is the concept of purity, quote unquote, like, are you pure or do you drink? Are you pure or do you have sex? It's like one or the other. And it's not like that at all in the kingdom of God. Jesus says, like, you are welcome here. There's a seat at the table. You do not have to, like, fit the mold to belong here. In fact, like Jesus, like made it a habit to be spending time with the ostracized people of society. Like one of the most scandalous things about Christianity in the first century was how high of a place women had, like women had the table in Christianity. And that was so scandalous in religious circles. Um, Jesus wasn't afraid to be alone with women, like, you know, and, and also I think to go back to like, Jesus was single and celibate and we think, Oh, like, you know, we can't have like live a full life if we're not experiencing sex. And I'm like, so did Jesus not have a full life? Like, did yeah, Jesus but do we actually know that he was celibate? Well, how do we know that? 
how do we know? We, we can know that from deducing the scripture. Um, so, you know, Jesus was fully God, fully man and without sin. And so what that means is like that if he was without sin, that meant that he upheld the invitation from uh, Jewish culture and from the Old Testament of abstaining from extramarital and premarital sex. Um, so we can we can say that with with confidence if if we're choosing to believe that like what the scriptures are saying is true or not um i know there's i know i'm gonna i'm like gonna push back on that i'm not quite sure i kind of i'm more of the opinion and i don't know this for sure either that i believe that jesus is like god manifest in a human being and i i find it hard to believe that god would experience i want to have the human experience and not have sexuality as a part of that human experience well but then like why is sexuality just sex well no of course not yeah and we should get into that what is sex first of all in in your opinion that you've concluded and secondly just how does it look walking through the world especially in brooklyn new york actually having yourself open i think that is um something beautiful to clarify too because my heart breaks when i hear about people men women whoever who say they've never had a relationship or they never opened themselves up at all and i was actually the same way i always thought that nobody liked me i was like oh i'm the ugly duckling no one wants to kiss me no one wants to like date me but when i look back i'm like no people were interested in me i was just so afraid to open myself up because i knew i had these boundaries and i didn't know if i'd be accepted yeah. i didn't know how i would be received or if i i think in the deepest parts of my brain i didn't want to know that i didn't trust myself but obviously i didn't so i think you being this beautiful combination of a woman who is not only choosing to abstain, but also choosing and allowing yourself to be open and to be receptive to people, to be receptive and open for love um, from a partner. All of those things together are very complicated for people. And I think a lot of people don't know how to have all of those components in their person while still abstaining. Totally. Well, I think part of it is like, I mean, even as you're saying it, I'm like, oh, I'm feeling so overwhelmed. It is hard. Why am I doing this? No, <laughs> no I don't want to. <laughs> I think the reality is like, you just have to take it one step at a time. Yeah. And that's, you know, part of me realizing, oh my gosh, like my sexual desire is good. Um, it's beautiful. Like there's nothing shameful about it was then to start talking about it with people. So like the small step of just admitting not only to myself and God, but also trusted others of like, you guys, like, I feel so turned on these days, like, or woo, that guy was really good looking. And <laughs> I was like feeling so connected to my desire today. And just like starting, beginning to like openly just start talking about my experience and my desire, I think was very freeing for me. Um, and then once I started doing that, um, it's like, it's like I started saying the things that everyone didn't know they were allowed to say. And then it's like, everyone's like, Oh my gosh, me too. Or, Oh, I didn't know. Like I was allowed to feel that way. And I'm like, mm. like yeah, I'm in my, now I'm in my thirties. I'm in my sexual prime. Like if I wasn't desiring sex, like there might be a hormonal thing off. <laughs> like, yeah. So I think giving first, giving myself the permission to feel desire, 
was like transformative. And I think the fear, the lie is that like, if I let myself feel the desire, it will take over and become all consuming when that doesn't have to be the case. That doesn't have to be the truth. Like just because I admit I want a piece of cake doesn't mean I'm going to eat the whole thing. Like it just means, oh, I'm really craving chocolate today. Okay. Then I get to decide how to, what I want to do with that. Um, well, how do you become okay with um, allowing yourself to acknowledge that you feel a desire without feeling the fear that you are lusting and sinning with your lust? Part of it is letting yourself figure it out and letting yourself make mistakes. We get so afraid of doing it wrong. And yeah. then we're, but what we're trying to do then is be perfect, which is not something that Jesus ever asked us to be. So I, I I know when perfection is at play when I feel paralyzed. If I'm paralyzed to make any movement, then it probably means that underneath the surface, I'm stuck in perfectionism, which is like no one but myself expects myself to be per- perfect. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so how do I explore my sexual desire without like getting stuck in lust or sin well first what is sin let's define sin um the definition i have for sin is a decision that i choose to make that separates me that creates separation between myself and god and others and i feel like sin and is like can be this like very triggering word right because it's been we've been like spiritually manipulated by it a lot but when i look at it that way of like oh like is this is this choice that i'm making like um, getting me closer to Jesus or is it taking me away from him? Is it separating me from him? Is it separating me from myself? Is it separating me from others? Well, then I get to choose if I want to make a different decision or not from that. Um, I wonder if you'd agree with me on this or not. Um, because I could see someone still feeling spiritually or their former spiritual manipulation, um, making it hard for them to hear even that definition of sin, because we've been told masturbating will separate you from God. Lusting will separate you from God. Like I, um, I define sin as anything that causes harm, which would also include that separation from God. But am I harming myself, my environment, others around me? etc. And therefore, you know, causing a rift, a separation between me and the divine. Yeah. Would you agree with that as well? Yeah, I think, yeah, because when I am disconnected from myself, that's harmful. Right. Disconnected mm-hmm. and isolated from others, from community, that's harmful. When mm-hmm. I'm disconnected from God, that hurts my own spirit, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I want to be like so gentle in that conversation because um, like when it was, so when I think about like, what is lust, like, to, like when I think about that, it's like, so I am like lust it's, is like thinking about someone else who is not your spouse in like an objectifying way. Right. So I think, um, like what I think about is using someone else to scratch an itch. So when I go to another person, whether in my mind or physically, and I don't care about them, and I'm not interested in who they are, but I'm like, well, I got a niche. Will you scratch it for me? Okay, done. Thank you. Bye. Then I have flattened something in their humanity because we're multifaceted beings. So yeah. for example, I used to um, like stay out till I ma- stay out till you make out is like what my, my like Christian friends called it. Um, <laughs> they're like, okay, stay out till you make out tonight. We're not going home until 
everyone's made out with someone. It was like our like form of Christian rebellion, you know, like like, pretty like safe because, you know, whatever. So so I remember being at this bar and I was making out with this guy and I was like making out with him. And all of a sudden I was like, I feel like I could be kissing my hand and it would feel the same. And it was like like a good kiss, but I had that thought, like just kind of on like the cloud of my mind. And then I was was like, let me just get back to my makeup. And, but the moment was ruined. And I was like, oh, wow. I don't know this guy's name. I don't care about knowing his name. Mm -hmm. And like, basically I just came out tonight with the agenda of like, I want to get mine. And so that I flattened him and I objectified him to become an object of my desire. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was separating me from myself, separating me from my humanity and his. And then in essence, when I don't acknowledge the God image in someone else, cause I'm flattening them, then I'm also separating myself from God because God created us as holistic beings. So how do I walk this out and not lust is I'm like, you just have to be curious about the heart behind your actions. So can Mm -hmm. I masturbate and not objectify someone in my mind? Yeah. I think that's totally 100% possible. Can I masturbate and objectify someone in my mind? 100%. Can I make out with someone and have like, Oh, I care about this person. I, I like, wow, what a beautiful shared experience. And that be like a sweet, holy moment. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. can I do the same exact action and it be like, like separating me from myself, him and God? Yes. So I think that's why we had to ask the question, like what's, what's motivating me? I mean, it beautifully answers the question, which is amazing. Cause in a way it feels like you totally evaded the question by being like, if for someone that wants to be like, no, I want rules and I want a list of things. And it's like, this is not an evasion of the question. This is prompting whoever is the individual asking the question to dig much deeper and to rely on their own relationship with God, their own relationship with their bodies, with their sexuality and sensuality to find out the answer in that moment. Mm-hmm. And that's why my channel is called God is Gray because it's not that God is gray. I believe God is black and white, unchangeable, you know, today, forever, the same But humanity is gray because our circumstances are always changing. Like I love that you said you could do the exact same action in two different circumstances. One could be an edifying, beautiful, ecstatic moment with God, with like love. And the other could be a total objectification, lust experience and something that is harming someone else or yourself. So it really is, like you said, day by day, you're taking it each day, each step of the way and figuring out what works for you. And I and I love that you also mentioned that we need to be less afraid of making mistakes because in the evangelicalism I was raised in, I definitely felt like I had to be perfect and I couldn't stray from those lines. Otherwise, what are the, what's the saying? Um, you're going astray mm. and you're leading other people astray with your choices if anyone is watching you. But at the end of the day, I don't believe that at all. I believe that we're not going to know right from wrong in certain circumstances unless we walk it out. Like, And you can do it 
prayerfully and carefully, or you can do it haphazardly and fall into it. But at the end of the day, if you're looking at the action afterwards, you're gently with yourself, figuring out how it felt, how it was received by someone else, like how you would like to react to the same thing in the future, then you're doing right by yourself and by your spirituality. Only people that Jesus gets pissed off at are religious people. Yeah. <laughs> like you guys are doing all the right things, but your hearts are far from me. Mm. And I believe that if God is real and I believe God to be real, then God is bigger and more expansive than we could ever wrap our minds around. Like the finite can't really ever grasp hold of the infinite. And so they're like, there's going to be things that I'm going to be like, oh, wow, no, this is totally the way it is. And then I'm going to be like, oh, wait, like I'm probably going to be really wrong about a lot of things. And I just want to like say like question God, question all these things. Like if God's real, he's not so insecure or threatened by our questions. Like mm. he's not terrified of you blowing it. I have found Jesus in those gray spaces. And yeah. the more I've kind of stepped into this space of speaking to women about um, their sexual desire and all that, I'm like, you know what? I kind of have a little bit more empathy for pastors for getting up on a stage and saying, like, he can't touch your butt. <laughs> They're like, don't drink alcohol. Um, <laughs> because it's, it's like, it's harder to step into a more nuanced conversation. And be mm -hmm. like, well, actually, I can't have this blanket thing that I say to like 800 people in an auditorium. I'm like, people ask me, is masturbation a sin? And I'm like, yes, no, maybe let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. you know? And that's harder to teach from a pulpit. And, <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, like, oh, it'd be so much easier if I was like, well, yeah, you guys can have oral sex. Like, but you get to do that work you get to figure out what you believe and why and you get to make that decision and you get to see God like that that takes a lot of like I think humility as a person of faith to be like I'm just gonna trust that God is gonna work in this person's story and that our stories aren't linear our stories aren't overnight like you know, we get all our panties up in a wad if someone hasn't changed to what we think is the right version overnight. Mm. And I'm like, like, God is interested in us for the long haul. Like, why do we feel like transformation is overnight? And by the way, we're sitting here judging everyone, being all gossipy. And like, we're not taking into account our own crap. We're just like, well, this person isn't behaving well. Um, yeah. Man, God is so much bigger than the box that we try to put him in. Our sexual desire is so much bigger than the box we try to put it in. And I just want to, for myself, I just want to continue to be curious and be like, okay, God, like, show me your heart. Show me your heart, God. Um, that's what I want. I don't want to control anyone, tell anyone how to live their life. Um, I just want, I'm like, Jesus, I just want to know you. Show yourself to me. I love that. Something I keep saying to you with God is gray, that my sexuality, the choices I've made are not at all a blueprint for someone to follow. As a matter of fact, there are definitely circumstances I'd be like, please do not follow me in the choice that I made. Yeah. But just, you know, having a safe space for people to learn about it, to address like exactly what you said, like, 
okay, if you've already made that choice, you've already moved in with your boyfriend and feel peace about it, and you're just going to go on that path and you can't be like changed, then let's talk about what that looks like. Let's talk about what consent within your relationship looks like so that it, at the very least, well, not at the very least, I think it's crucially important that everyone is inviting God into the space of their sexuality because otherwise you're compartmentalizing yourself. If you're not having sex, God should be in that space. If you are having sex, God should be in that space in all circumstances. And that's the only way you can really, in my opinion, make sure that you're honoring, you know, the belief that you have. One of the most healing parts of being in a place like New York is then like, oh, like there, like there, I can be a strong woman and love Jesus. And I think um, I led a small group at a church for a few years here. And kind of how I said earlier, it's like, you know, people will come Christians here and they don't, they don't know the rules. And so they're like, you know, we're at small group and they're like, Oh, can you pray for my husband or my, my boyfriend? We just got in a fight about something in our apartment. And it's like all these girls in my small group are living with their boyfriends. (laughs) Oh yeah. Like I just went on a date. I'm sleeping with this guy. And I was like, there's actually something really endearing about the level of honesty that I was experiencing because like people didn't know that they weren't supposed to be doing the things. And so for me, what that challenged in my faith is like, okay, what's the goal here? Am I the morality police or is the goal here to get people to like change their like behavior or is the goal to get people in the presence of God Mm. and then let God do what God is going to do. Like, cause what I wanted to do was be like, you shouldn't be living with your boyfriend (laughs) or you shouldn't be having sex. And I was like, but wait, why do I feel like I need to control this situation and control other people and control their spiritual journey? So all I have to say, it's definitely been a journey for me over the last, you know, I've been in New York now for seven years and I have felt challenged at like every corner of like, man, what's is the goal here Jesus or is the goal here to like get people to like behave the way I think they should behave? I am still choosing to abstain. And is that, do I have space for other people to be on a journey? And like, I sure hope that answer is yes. (laughs) That's beautiful. I think that beautifully sums it all up too. I'm so grateful for your humility and you know, your acceptance and grace with others. Um, Because I feel like I would be pissed off too if I had like taken the path that you've taken and seeing other people just like haphazardly not taking it. Um, Because I was the last virgin standing for a really long time as well. And I was frustrated by it. But I think it's so beautiful that you, yeah, are just in such a beautiful space in your own spirituality to allow the truth to be that God is on a journey with each and every one of us and that the Holy spirit is more than capable than speaking to each and every one of us. And that we don't have to be the ones that police everyone's morality. We can genuinely just lead by example and leave the rest up to God. I mean, I'm so grateful to have this conversation with you. I think a part of me was like, is she going to judge me? Like, is she going to like, think and so I think I think this is why this is so important that we have conversations like this of like building bridges between you know different viewpoints because I know you said kind of at the beginning like this has become it's become one of the main things like are you on this side or this side and I'm like 
that's just such a bummer to me that this has become one of the main things because the main thing is Jesus. Like, do we all need Jesus? Yes. Okay. That's the main thing. Like, then everything else kind of just is underneath that. Beautiful. I love it. Kat, would you tell everyone where they can find you online? Yeah, absolutely. So my podcast is called The Refined Collective Podcast. That's on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you listen to your podcasts. I am at The Refined Woman. That's at A-N. Um, on Instagram, my website is therefinedwoman.com. So come hang with us. Thank you all for being here in this conversation. Please go check out Kat on all of her socials. Support her even if you aren't aligned exactly with the decision that she's made. It's okay. Her ministry is still so edifying and beautiful no matter what choices you're making. And yeah, that's it. We love you all. God bless.